I feel just burdened um, with some things. And so maybe I'll just do a whole lot of talking, um, but it will be biblical talking. It will be according to the word of God and not according to anything else. Turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Amen. You know, this is for those of you that know me a little bit. Um, this text is one of my favorite texts in scripture. Um, just It just stuck out to me when I first got saved. I always looked at this text and says, man, this is it. This is it. And so I get to go over it with you this morning, probably in a different way than I've ever gone over it, uh, just so we can discuss it. And I'll tell you what the Lord has placed on my heart and we'll go from there. Mark chapter 16, we'll pick up in verse 14. Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Again, Stacy Ann, we welcome you and all of our church family and friends. We welcome you this morning to Christ-centered church. And we pray that God's blessing will rest upon you today before you leave here. Or if you already had God's blessing, that God will increase his blessings in your life before you leave here. Amen. Verse 14 says in Mark chapter 16, verse 14 says, Afterwards, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. That word upbraided them, probably if you get it translated in from the, the Greek text, it will probably tell you that the upbraided by him upbraiding them meant that he defamed them. He attacked their good name or reputation. For instance, he got to them and says, what is your problem? Why, why don't you believe? What's your issue? Aren't you supposed to be disciples? That's what the upbraiding means. When he said he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Hardness of heart there um, means their lack of spiritual perception. When you hear hardness of heart in the Bible, many times it's talking about the lack of spiritual perception. So they, they had unbelief and they had no spiritual perception because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So what's going on here is the Lord Jesus Christ had told his disciples that he would raise from the dead and People saw him after he rose. It wasn't the disciples that saw him first. Others saw him, and they went and told the disciples that uh, Jesus was rose from the dead, and they didn't believe. And finally, he got to them and upbraided them because they did not believe those that said, we saw him. Verse 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The and is very important in there. The and. He that believeth and. It didn't say he that believeth, comma. He that believeth and just stop there. It said he that believeth and. Because there's many people that's just saying, just believe. If it's just about just believing and just that's all it is, then this and would not be there. It would be a period. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. 
But he that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So he that believeth and is baptized. So when you believe and you baptize, signs will follow you. Hmm. He that believeth. And is baptized shall be saved, but he that believe not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Here's some signs. In my name shall they cast out devil. Name mean authority. In my authority they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Holy Ghost is not, God, God is showing us stuff all throughout scripture, but I don't know why we don't see these things, but they shall speak with new tongues. So not only are you baptized, but you will have the authority to cast out devils. You will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Now, let me stop there and tell you, it don't mean you need to go and take up serpents. The apostle Paul got a viper that grab onto him. Paul didn't go looking for the viper. The viper grabbed onto him and Paul shook off the viper and nothing happened to him. So if the viper grabbed you, God will see to it that you will not be harmed. However, it's basically talking about people that operates in a serpent way. Sly. Cunning. Malicious. He says, you can not take them up like this. You can displace those people. You don't have to deal with those people because you've got authority to deal with them by displacing them, getting them out of your life. And if they drink any deadly thing, if somebody try to poison you, and if you drink any de deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. These are the signs that will follow them that believe and is baptized. Huh. Right? So then... I'm sorry, 18, they shall take up serpents and they drink, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is for those people that believe and is baptized. Hmm. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said, the Bible says, Peter says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall speak with tongues. You will receive the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost caused you the evidence is you speaking with tongues. So all of this lines up together, because he says, if you believe, you will be baptized. And if you get baptized, you will receive the Holy Ghost, and that's how you will speak with new tongues. And if you do all that, you will have authority to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils. You will have the authority in his name, not in your name. So this is sound biblical doctrine here. Let's pray. Father, we love you. 
I take authority over every unbelief right now in this house. I bind it in Jesus' name. I take authority over iniquity, distractions, and all that have come to prevent your people, Lord God, from receiving from you. I bind those things right now, and I cast them out in outer darkness. Now release upon us, Lord God, the gift of faith, the word of knowledge. I release in this place, Lord God, the power of the Holy Ghost. And I pray deliverance and change. And I pray, Lord God, that every person will open up their heart to receive from you you. Will you ask God to just touch you right now? Say, God, touch me. That will open up my heart. I'm believing you today for change to come into my life, for change to come into my heart, for change to move in my life. Lord, we love you and thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning I mentioned in Sunday school, and I'll mention it again because I think it's so essential and so important that God purpose for us is for us to become like Jesus. God's purpose is not about us going to heaven and living this great Christian life where there's no problems and I'm just blessed beyond measure and everything is just right and everything is just beautiful. That's not what God's intentions were for your life. God's intention for your life is that you become like Jesus Christ. If, if you don't believe that, you, you look in Romans 8, 28 and 29 and 30, you go down in there, you can go to John chapter uh, 17 somewhere, I believe. And that teaches you that the bottom line is God created us that we will be like him. Because the only way God can have true relationship with us is that we are like him. It's unnatural for human beings to have uh, 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 a real human relationship where both people are receiving with something that's not of your kind. This is why the Bible says, be not unequally yoked, because if you're unequally yoked, you can't have a good relationship. So God is showing us always that in order to have great relationship, we must be more like him. And the more we become like him, the better our relationship will be with him because we will understand him more. And so if we're living our life to say, oh, I just want to get to heaven. Oh, I'm just trying to escape this mess that is in the world. I'm just trying to escape ISIS. I'm trying to escape all the nonsense that our country does and how leadership is in our world today. I just can't take it anymore. I'm tired of the, the, the my body being in pain. I'm tired of sickness. I'm tired of all the things I'm going through. I just want to go to heaven. That's not why God created you. And so... He created you to be in relationship with him. And if he created you to be in relationship with him, now start thinking about what Jesus went through. It means you're going to have to go through some of that stuff. It means you're going to have to deal with some of the things that he dealt with because guess what? We're supposed to be like him. And we're working every day, hopefully, to be like him. And so if we can get past Church is not just for us to come to and, 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 and just chill. Oh, somebody help me here today. I hope I will challenge you enough that you will notice it's the word of God that I'm trying to minister to your soul that change will come to your life. Coming to church is not impressive to God. Coming to church is not enough. I told you one time God spoke to me and says, my people love the church more than they love me. 
God is not interested because the church belongs to him, that you love the church more than him. God is not impressed by that. God is not impressed by you loving heaven more than him. He didn't create heaven for you. He created you for him. God created us for himself. And whoever don't like that, whoever don't feel comfortable with that, it's okay. But the bottom line is, if you don't realize you are created for God, then you're going to end up not being with God. Because God didn't create you for you. He created you for himself. All things were created by him and for him. So God created you for himself. And so if we're going to make this journey to heaven, we have to become like him and realize we were put here for him, his purpose. And so it's, it's tough for us sometimes because we struggle and we go through stuff and we want to feel like, man, you know, I, I came to God because life was so a mess and life was so messed up. And now I got to come to God and deal with all this stuff. And God wants to help us today. I entitled my talk today, either we love Jesus Christ or we don't. Either we love him or we don't. Either we believe Jesus Christ or we don't. That's the title of my talk today. The Bible says he upbraided his disciples. Huh. I'm going to talk because I want the Holy Ghost to help me. I don't want to get too excited. Jesus had told his disciples over and over that he was going to die and rise from the grave three days later. He would tell them this all the time. They would have conversations and he would, have, he would tell them, the Son of Man must be crucified. The son of man destroyed his temple and in three days I'll raise them. All this stuff he would tell them and, and they knew he was supposed to die and they knew he would rise. But when the news came to them saying Jesus rose and people was telling them Jesus rose, Jesus rose and they wouldn't believe he took issue with that. They didn't have an excuse. It was inexcusable for them to have unbelief in that situation when God already told them over and over when they were walking with him. He affirmed over and over, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise. He told them many times, and finally when it happened, when he rose, he died, and they knew he died. But when he rose, they wouldn't believe. And these are his disciples. You know what I find it? After we get into church by repenting of our sins, getting baptized in Jesus' name, getting filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it seems like unbelievers believe more than we believe. I can go out and talk to people about Jesus Christ and they would say, you know, yeah, uh, I, I need to get my life right and all. And you'll tell Christians what the word of God saying they won't believe it. The disciples proved that. Save, sanctified, living for God. And they didn't believe what he had said was happening. Do we believe? I love the Lord because 
He rebuked them, upbraided them, defamed them, whatever you want to call them. Then he says, now go. The lesson there that we miss a lot of times. It's okay to tell people what they did wrong and how they offended you. But just love them after that. And my hug says, well, you know I love you. That's what Jesus did. That's how he handled things. He said, how can you have unbelief when I already told you what would happen and I did it and you didn't believe it? But we would have did that and then turn our backs and said, I ain't messing with you right now. Because how silly can you be when I told you, you knew it, and you didn't believe? We, we would turn our backs on them for a while. But in the same breath, Jesus gave them a hard time about it. In the same breath, he said, but go, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's a lesson there to learn. We should not hold grudges against one another. We don't need to give each other a, a, a stretch out uh, what, what, what God didn't intend to. Someone offends you. Someone didn't do right. Be a big boy. Be a big girl. Go up to them and tell them what you feel and say, but you know, I love you. And if it's a woman, a woman hugger and says, I love you. Says, I just had to tell you that. And don't let next week come and then you sit on the other side of the room and don't pay her no mind. No, keep loving her because that's what Jesus do. We need to tell each other what's right and what's wrong, but we need to love and keep going. We don't hold grudges. Either we believe or we don't. This is all that I'm going to talk about today is either we believe Jesus Christ or we don't. Because we all here this morning, I believe, profess to believe him, but our life don't say we believe him. And so either we believe the Lord Jesus Christ or we don't. He told them unbelief. How can you have unbelief when we already know? We are sitting in a great position in time because we have proof of what the Lord has already done. We have proof of what the Lord has already said. There were times when the, a Bible didn't exist in our world. It was only the scrolls. There were times where people weren't uh, able to have what they need to, to learn the things of God. And so we have the Bible and we have the experiences of places we've gone and have seen the power of God. Listen, yes, I was overwhelmed when I saw my daughter's name on the board to receive the Holy Ghost. But I wasn't surprised. Because the year when I left, last year when I left, I said, I'm bringing my kids because they're getting the Holy Ghost. I said that. So even though I was overwhelmed when it actually happened, I wasn't surprised. And I think a lot of times we're struggling as people of God because what we're supposed to believe and hold to, we don't really believe it. And we really don't hold to it. We just say it because we know it's written. But it's time for us to start believing Jesus Christ. It's time for us to go just a little further in our walk with him. What are some of the impacts of unbelief? What are some of the impacts? Unbelief prevents miracles of God in our life. Unbelief prevents us from knowing God. You heard me? We don't know God because of unbelief. Unbelief disqualifies us 
from receiving revelations. I heard it said before that God does not respond to needs. God responds to faith. (laughs) I said, that's good. God don't respond to needs. We want to think that God is going to respond because there's a need. And I say God will respond according to your faith. Because God is trying to get us to grow up in him. He don't want us to stay babes all of our life. He wants us to grow up. And the way we say we grow up is by exercising faith. I wrote this down this morning because I felt like it's something that God was dealing with me on. Listen to this. Many of us, many of us are living in the mercy of God. And not as sons and daughters. Because if we live as sons and daughters, we operate in an authoritative position because of who our daddy is. But most of us are just operating in a mercy position. We're operating under the mercy of God. God does things out of his mercy for us and not because of us walking in the authority and position that we should be walking in. We're ineffective and powerless because we're living our life just depending on God's mercy. And God is not interested in us acting like we don't have authority and power. He's not interested in us just living our life where he just got to do stuff out of mercy. Look at my little son. He just seemed to be having a rough day and seemed helpless. Let me help him. God is not interested in doing that. God is interested in having grown-up children. Yes, he's going to have some babies, but he's going to raise them up to be mature. And God is interested in children that will grow up and be mature and take their rightful place and walk in the authority and position that they're supposed to be in. It's time for us to act like sons of God and daughters of God. We can't operate in a position of mercy, mercy. Everything we do, we're begging. God can't do miracles when we beg because it's not done in faith. God can't do the things that we want to do because all we're doing is begging, acting like we're not his children. Your children don't walk around the house like they don't belong there. That's their house. Your children know what to ask and they know what belongs to them. And so many of us are are asking for things that already belong to us. Whoa, it's me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. We got to get back to understanding who we are. This morning we said, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know all, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We went down a little bit further where it says, for who he foreknew, he had predestinated for them to be conformed to the image of his son. 
We were predestinated to become like Jesus. We were predestinated to be like Jesus. And if we understand that, we will understand we're not just some poor old, poor old me and poor old you. And No, we're children of God that is conforming to who Jesus is so we can live like Jesus, so we can walk in the authority as children of God and not just people that's begging for mercy. The thief on the cross. Different dispensation. That's not how you get saved. The Bible also says this. God says, I will show mercy to who I want to show mercy. It was the mercy of God that, it, that, that was working on the cross. What, 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 it wasn't what we know today is supposed to be. It was the mercy of God. Today you'll be in paradise. That's mercy. But that was before he rose from the dead. He didn't have that kind of mercy after he rose. He could look over and says, let's have mercy on him. We believe, let's have mercy. And we think today, that's how he's operating? No. No, after he rose from the dead, this is what he preached. This, the text I just read? He came and upbraided them for their unbelief. That text, that's after his resurrection. So what he did on the cross was before his crucifixion. What he just taught us right here is after his resurrection. So we can't begin to practice the things that was done before the crucifixion when it comes down to salvation. Because after he rose, he told him, go preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not. Oh. Huh. You, you, you know why he says, he that believeth not shall. Listen. Your actions tell if you believe or you don't believe. I, I know we want to say, no, that's not true. You can say whatever you need to say to make yourself feel good. <laughs> you can. It's okay. We tell ourselves things. Man, this week, just like nobody can be tempted for anything except it was already in you. Right? The Bible says everybody's tempted because they're drawn away by their own lust. So it's because of whatever is in you why you end up being tempted and, and, and doing wrong. It, it's not because you just got tempted with something that wasn't in you. It was something that was in you. And so when the devil dangled it, 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 it stirred up some things and you went ahead and, and grabbed. But likewise, the Holy Ghost that's in you, the Word of God that's in you, when you hear the preaching that stir those things up, then you are beginning to understand what's in you. And this week I was able to realize some things that, that, that was in me that probably wasn't working in me like it needs to. But I'm telling you, I feel it working in me. Because these people that I was around that was preaching to us, oh Lord, have mercy. They're living life and they're doing, they're, they're, they are word people. They're not emotional people. Do they get emotional? Yes. We'll never get that twisted. God is emotional. I told you all that long, a couple of weeks ago. He is emotional. 
and we're supposed to be emotional. But God don't want us to be emotional but empty vessels with nothing inside of us. He wants us to be emotional because of what's in us. It's so much that's in us that we become emotional, that we express our emotions to him because of what's in us. And as these men of God began to preach, as they began to bring the word, what was in me just was pulling me. Raymond Woodward preached a service. He said that the, the, the title of his message was, we are the echo of God. We can't make up our own stuff, Anton. This is not about us telling, making up what we think or what we feel. We like to say how we feel and what we believe. That's fine. But if it ain't up the word of God, you best believe there will be no results to that because God will only respond to his word. All we can do is echo the word of God. All we can do is restate what's already been said. And that's how we will see the power of God operate in our life is when we repeat what the word of God says and do what the word of God has said. Either you believe God or you don't. There's no gray area. And I think it's safe. When you can look at your life and say, my life don't say I believe God. It sounds harsh at the beginning, but it's safe. Because it means you know where you are, and if you really want to get a relationship with God, you will do something about it. But if you lie to yourself or you fool yourself in thinking that you're okay, that your life says that you believe God when you don't, you're heading for trouble. John 8, 24 says this, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Can I tell you this? If we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose on the third day, and he sits on the throne in heaven, there should be no reason to not believe everything else. Because that's the main thing right there. Anybody that can raise themselves from the dead, I ain't talking about somebody pray for you. We read in the scripture where people have prayed for people and they rose. Jesus rose himself. That's what the miracle is in case we missed it and thinking, well, you know, I read where Elijah laid over the boy that was dead and he came alive. I read when, you know, Peter then prayed for the girl and she came alive. I read, yeah, but a man prayed and the power of God worked. Jesus is God in the flesh. All the power was in him anyway. So he rose himself from the grave. And that's what the miracle is. None of us can raise ourselves from dead, but he did. That's the miracle. So if we believe that, that he was dead and then rose himself up and now alive forever and sits on the throne, why wouldn't we believe everything else? Because to me, that's probably the hardest thing in everything else. That, that's the hardest thing to believe. And if we settle in our mind that we believe that, then why aren't we believing everything else? And you know what I would say? Because maybe we really don't believe Jesus Christ died and rose and sitting on the throne and has all power. Maybe we don't believe that. We just say that because the Bible says that. Hmm. Because if we really believe that, 
our actions will say differently, man. The way we operate will say differently. God is interested in us operating like sons and daughters, not as people that need help, not as needy people. Second Thessalonians 2 and 10 says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. They receive what? Not the love of the truth. Hmm. That they might be saved. If we don't believe truth, we can't be saved. 11 says, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. If we don't believe truth, if we don't love truth, if we don't love truth, we're going to find ourselves being disillusioned. If we do not love truth, the word of God, if we don't love it and believe it, God himself is going to send us a strong delusion. And don't you blame people and don't you blame Satan. God says, I will send a strong delusion that you will believe lies. And from then on, you will believe lies. And so when I tell you the truth, you're going to be like, no, it's not. That ain't what it says. Because you're delusioned. Because you don't realize that you didn't love the truth. And because you didn't love the truth, God says, okay, that's how you want to roll. I'll just let you believe lies from now on. We always want to think when something goes wrong in our life. Didn't we say that in Sunday school this morning? Things go wrong in our life and we start blaming people and the devil. It's, if they wouldn't have done this, you know, if they wouldn't have done, they ain't right because they did this to me. How can they do this to me? And we blame people. The devil is a lie. I ain't going to let the devil. Again, we give the devil a whole lot of credit when we sons and daughters of God. I heard it preached like this this week. God is the head of the church. The church is the body of Christ. The Bible says God has put the devil under his feet. Where's the feet of God? I'm, I'm, going too, I'm going over your head a little bit. All right, all right, all right. Let me, let me slow it down. Just think of the human body as how God operates. That's God's kingdom. God is the head. This is the church. All of us, make, all of us put together, which means the feet of God is the church, the body. Our body is considered the church. The body is considered the church. The head is God. And God says, I put the devil under my feet. The devil is under the church. That's what he said. He said, I put the devil under my feet. God don't have no feet right now. He's in heaven sitting on his throne. The only feet that will exist will be under the body of Christ. So God has put the devil under the church. The devil is really under your feet, if you will. But you got to believe that and begin to act like that's really true. I think some of it is just because we get lazy and we don't want we don't, we don't to deal with the devil. Because you're going to deal with him one way or another, though. So we might as well decide we're going to deal with him. 
because you're going to deal with him one way or another. If, if, if you don't serve the Lord and be, and, and you don't be faithful to God or you don't believe God, the devil going to mess with you and carry you off so you will be uh, someplace else not really in the will of God. So the devil is trying to get you to walk away from God if you don't deal with him. But when you exercise your authority, he's going to come back at you and you're going to have to fight with him. We can't escape it, but we got to realize he has no power over us. He's under our feet. How many believe that? And so 12 says that they might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Listen, I told you I'm talking to that. We don't want to believe truth. Because it prevents us from our pleasures, which is unrighteous. Quiet in here. If we were created to be like Jesus, the only pleasure I remember our Lord had was good relationship and, and good fellowship with his disciples. That's when he had a good time. Fellowship, relationship with others. That's what the Lord enjoyed. And most of us are afraid to believe God because in our minds it's going to take away the pleasures of our life. Well, if you feel like you was created to enjoy the pleasures of this life, then you're going to miss heaven. Because we weren't created for the pleasures of this life. And so we're racing to enjoy the pleasures of of this life. And that's why we all slow in the way we decide that we're going to believe. We're, we're, we're not believing, which means we're not loving the truth, which means we can become uh, one of those that will receive a strong delusion that we may believe a lie. Because if we believe the word of God, it's going to mess with our pleasure. Yeah, if I believe that, that's going to that's mess with it. Which means you don't believe God. Which means you don't trust God. Don't you understand that God loves you probably more than you love yourself? When are we going to take that, 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 that leap of faith and say, you know what? God, yeah, I'm concerned that if I give my life to you, there's some things of pleasure that I feel like I'm going to lose. I, I admit that to you, Lord. Can we be honest to God? That's how you talk to him, God. I know I'm not living a life that's dedicated, a life that's pleasing unto you. I know, I know I'm not living like that, God. I know I'm not giving myself to you the way I need to. But God, you know, but I'm just telling you, you know, the reason why I haven't done it that way is because I just feel like if I do that, I'm going to miss out on some pleasures that I enjoy. Now, God won't respond to you. You're just saying that. You're confessing to him, right? And so now... The next thing that you need to follow up with, it says, but God, will you give me the strength that I can walk in total obedience in believing you? I know the pleasure thing is going to be a challenge, but I'm going to believe you because you know what? At the end of the day, we just got to do what we got to do. Let me tell you, I'll just tell somebody this morning. When I came to America, I didn't like pizza. I just didn't like pizza. Pizza was nasty. 
And so for my first couple of years in America, I'm like, this is nasty. What in the world? And everybody just seemed to want to go, let's go get pizza. You know, at the age I was, you know, you know, teenager, you know, pizza was the thing. That's, that's all they can think of. When we went snow shoveling and made some money, we went and bought a whole pie. You know, because, you know, you feel like a big timer. You can buy a whole pie. You Please, listen, you 15, 16, you buy a whole pie. You thought you, thought you was doing all right. And so we go shovel some snow, make some money, and we'll go buy a whole pie. And I just, I, I don't know, I was just buying the pie. I, I didn't like pizza. Fast forward, I don't know, 30, 35 years later. And, man, I got to control myself when it comes down to some pizza. <laughs> Woo! Because that put weight on you quicker than anything you can eat. Pizza. And so I thought about that. And I realized I didn't like pizza, and now I love pizza. God has put that kind of character in us that you cannot like something right away. Living for God might not taste as sweet as you want it to taste. Walking right and talking right in the things of God may not taste good right away. Being righteous might not taste good right away. Living holy might not taste good right away. Praying might not taste good right away. Fasting might not taste good right away. But if you hold on and keep trying it, all of a sudden it's going to become delicious and nobody can keep you from it. You will say, Oh, I got to have me some of that. Don't you worry about the pleasures that you're giving up for believing God. Don't you worry about that because God it will take good care of you. And what you thought wasn't good, you will see, oh, ain't nothing better than this right now. I'm trying to help you to believe God. Because we're staying away from God and we're not fully, uh, help me Jesus. I, I just feel like, you know, there's places in America that they call the Bible Belt. Louisiana. So a lot of places in Texas. You know, Oklahoma. You know, those places, they call them Bible Belt. Northeast, we're heathens. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, that's how the world is set up. Um, in North America, we're the most heathens, heathenistic people when it comes down to living for God. The numbers tell it. We don't like it, but the numbers tell it. When you do, and I know this very well, when you look at North America uh, where there's a lack of God, lack of church, the Northeast and the Northwest. D.C. to Massachusetts, San Francisco, all over those areas, up in the north up there. We, 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 we're not doing good when it comes down to having relationship with God. And I don't know what it is. I can, I'm sure there are people that can tell you. But I'm not happy about that. I don't know about you, but I, I can't live for God Like, I'm doing good when I'm not. I don't know about you. I can't do that. I keep it real. And so if I'm going to do this, 
I got to do it right. And I'm not satisfied in how I'm doing it. I'm not satisfied with how it's working for me, but I got to do something about it. Whether it means I didn't believe God enough and I need to believe God more. But I'm telling you this morning, we as a people, especially in the Northeast and the Northwest, in North America, we need to say God ain't just no Bible Belt business. We're going to give our hearts to you. We're going to believe you. We can walk right. We can live right. We can be holy. We can be righteous. We can serve you. We can make a difference. We can't make excuses that it's harder in the Northeast. It's harder in the Northwest than it is anyplace else. We need to just grab the bull by the horn and say, I believe God. We struggle to come to church. We struggle to come to church. And then when we come, we feel like we did our part. And I'm telling you, church, church, church is not it. Sorry, Lord, if that sounds bad. And I'm sure he's saying that. God is it. Jesus Christ is it. Church is not it. And we get this twisted like when we walk through the church doors. That's it. I made it. I've been coming three Sundays in a row. I'm doing good. Which means when we come here, we're supposed to do something about being here. We came here for him. You heard me say it before. When you go to Burger King, you go for the Whopper. When you go to McDonald's, you go for the fries. When you go to Wendy's, you go for the shakes. I don't know. I'm just saying, you go to specific places for specific things. When you come to church, we come to for just just to sit. We come to church just to sit or we came to church to worship God. We came to church to seek the face of God. We came to church to let the word impact our life so we can begin to let it work in our life. I need the word of God to work in my life. I don't know about you, but when I hear preaching, I can't wait to do something about it. I heard some preaching that pricked my heart. I got, oh Lord, help me, Jesus. But there's some things that move me and I say, God, I got you. I ain't even going to say nothing. I'm just going to do something about it. I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to do something about it because I can't just hear the things of God and act like I don't hear them. I can't. I can't. I, I, I heard a man says, oh Lord help me. Brother Chester Wright one of the most powerful apostolic man that I know. And Chester Wright says the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We all know that. You know what he said? That means, that means, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That means when you get up in the morning, I'm seeking the kingdom first. Jesus, how are you this morning? I give you honor. You are my heavenly father. And you go on and you begin to talk to him because the man of God says, Chanel, what good is your to-do list? If you didn't seek God first, you're, 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 you're just, you're just, you're, you're, you have your to-do list and you want God to now back up what you want to do on your list. And God says, how you expect me to work when you're working against my word? I say, seek my kingdom first, then all these things will be added unto you. But what you're doing is you're getting your life in order the way you want. Then you come after me. I can't bless you that way. I can't bless you that way because you're, you're not obeying the word. 
This is what I mean by we get prayers answered because God is merciful. It's not because we obeyed. It's not because we did right. He he answered our prayers because of his good mercy. But I don't think mercy is going to last forever. I think sooner or later when this word gets preached to you like today uh, and you hear the word of God, uh, you're going to have to do something about it. uh, And you can't just cruise uh, on mercy alone. Uh, God is going to say, didn't you hear my word? Didn't my manservant tell you? Seek my kingdom first. Believe me. And so you, you, you're going to see mercy dwindling your life because of today. Because he's calling you to be a mature Christian. Mercy will dwindle after today. And so all those answers you got because he was just being merciful, he's saying, now you've heard, I want you to become sons and daughters of God. Take your rightful place. Call those things that are not as though they were. Walk in the authority of who you are because you're my children. My children don't go around with low self-esteem. Wondering, can this be done? Wondering, can that be done? God do this and then when we pray we're not praying in faith we're not praying believing God we're saying words we're not having church we're just saying words and God is saying it's not working you're going to get frustrated you're going to walk away because you're not doing it right and you don't want to do it right because if you do want to do it right you will do it right there's nothing lacking in the kingdom. It just come down to either we believe the Lord Jesus or we don't. There's no gray area. There's no area to say, well, I believe him, but. No, no, no. Either we believe him and show that we believe him or we don't. Let me hasten along here. What happened when we believe Jesus Christ? What does that word believe means anyway? When we say we believe God, it means we're saying we're going to trust him with our well-being, completely trust him with everything about our life. That's what believing God means is saying, I'm going to trust him with everything about and in my life. Cast your cares upon him for he careth. Cast your cares upon him. So, all this, the things that we have in our life that is worrying us, it means we don't believe him. Because if this word says, cast your care, you know, you know what that means? If I cast my care, it means I'm no longer worried. Those things are no longer frustrations in my life because I cast my care upon him. If, 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 if it's a situation where I'm jobless, if it's a situation where, 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 where my finances are challenged, I just got to cast that care upon him. Amen. Know that I'm doing right and living right, cast that care upon him, and I'm done talking about it. I'm not going around, woe is me. I'm not going around sad face. I'm not going around begging. I'm casting my care upon him. That's my daddy. Amen. He takes care of me. So if we're walking around stressed out and we're walking around worrying about everything, that just points out some unbelief in your life. Because the Lord says, cast your care upon me. 
And if you cast your care upon him, what's there to worry about now? But I think we worry because we don't really believe. And so we didn't really cast our care upon him. John 3.15, we know it, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, that word believeth means continually, believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That means if you don't believe in him, then what? There you go. It's just that simple. It's just, isn't God good? He's just trying to tell us the good stuff. Verse 18 in the same John chapter 3. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John chapter 7 verse 37 says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But look at this. God is explaining it to us. 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was... Oh, man, this is the Word of God. He says in Mark, who he that believeth and is baptized, one of the signs that will follow will be you will speak with new tongues. And now he come over here and backs, backs it up in John and he says that out of your belly shall flow rivers, rivers of living water. What's the rivers of living water? And he says, uh, this spake he of the Spirit, capital S, uh, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. All the people that want to walk around and says, once you believe you have the Holy Ghost, man, they're not reading their Bibles. Oh, man, they're not reading their Bibles. I'll, I'm going to close. I'll show you with you what's in my mind here. Jesus said, John 20 and 29, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. God is telling us we have a Bible in our hand we have bible to read and he gave us these signs so we can believe he says i'm not even leaving you at a disadvantage there were people back in the old testament that had to believe with no evidence there are people that had to believe this word with no evidence 
And they believe. He says, you all are not like that. I'm giving you evidence of my power. I'm giving evidence of what I can do. I'm giving evidence of who I am. Will you believe now that you have evidence? And so we have evidence and we're not believing. Evidence. He said, these things are written that you might believe. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, did Mark come before Romans? The book of Mark. Did it come before Romans? It's clear, right? So the book of Mark came before Romans. So at this point, why does he have to explain anything more? This is why folks are using this scripture and says, just confess and believe and you save. But we need to ask them, did you read Mark before you get to Romans or did you just jump straight to Romans? Because if you read Mark before you got to Romans, you realize it's understood that he that believeth and is baptized (laughs) shall be saved. Now, if you want to just go to Romans and say, believe when he already said, I did a whole lot of teaching about confessing, about believing and being baptized. Now you want me to go back and teach that as well? The bottom line, it says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that Jesus had raised him from the dead, thou shall be saved. But I'm going to I'm going to finish up real quick and straighten all that out, too. For this for with the heart. Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Here's the last thing. First Peter, chapter 3. Either we believe Jesus Christ, or we don't. Look at First Peter, chapter 3, verse 20. Which sometimes was disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was preparing, we're in few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Look at 21. The light figure we're unto, even baptism, doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So for those that think that you don't need to be baptized this is baptism is essential in the process of our saving can't get around that believe and i'm closing is an action word somebody said believe is an action word when we believe we prove our belief by engaging through our actions when we believe Listen to me. When we believe, we prove our belief by engaging through our actions when we believe. And so if you're going to say you believe, it's going to be proven through your actions. So from now on, no sense of you proving or telling nobody you believe. Your lifestyle say if you believe. I don't have to convince nobody I believe. I don't have to tell you I believe. My lifestyle says if I believe or I don't. 
And so while you feel like you believe, ask yourself, or better yet, go to somebody and ask them, do my lifestyle say I believe? You can be good to yourself and just ask yourself first and then answer the question honestly, and then you won't have to worry about being embarrassed by going to somebody and saying, do, I, do my life say I, I, I believe? But the bottom line is, if we say we believe, if we say we believe, it will be proven by engaging through our action. Now, this is, the, this is I'm winding down to tell you this here. Here is the key to your you believing and experiencing the power of God working in your life. Somebody say this with me. Engage. Engage. That's it right there. Just that word. That, that, that's what I was going to entitle my message this morning, but I said, nah. Engage. Until you engage, you will not demonstrate that you believe. And it's not until you engage will you reap the results and the promises that God made you. Maddie, the only way we will feel content and pleased in our Christian walk will be when we engage. God don't have a choice but to do what he said he would do when we say we believe and we engage. If we don't engage, then if God end up doing something, it's because of his mercy. Not because we did what we were supposed to do. But as I said, we can't survive on mercy alone. Sooner or later, mercy will run out. And so when we say we believe, the only thing you can do after you say you believe is engaged. In what you say, you believe. If I say, God, I worship you, but I don't worship him, you know what he says? You praise me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. It's only when we engage can we prove that we believe him. He's already told us. If we don't believe, we will not have eternal life. This is not a popular message, but this is what God put in my heart. Because it's time to climb up the ladder and go a little bit higher. It's time to take it a little bit further now. We've come a little bit. We've been around for two years. But it's time to go into a new dimension. Here is why we need to go to a new dimension. I wrote the prayer list on the board yesterday. I wrote the prayer. One of the prayer I wrote is, Lord, help us to become more like you. The reason why I put that on a prayer list, God sent me here to reach lost people. God sent me here to help backsliders get restored. God sent me here to do a work for him. And everybody that come here, is coming to eventually help with the work of God. All of us come whatever way we come, but eventually God is expecting us to mature and to mature and to eventually help with the work of God because he said, seek ye first the kingdom. The harvest is plenteous, but laborers are few. And God sent 
us here to help to build you up so you can help with him reaching the loss of our community and communities and even beyond that because I told you before God's going to put a church in New Brunswick. God's going to put a church in a couple more places before this is all said and done. So he sent us here to do a work for him. But we must grow up and become mature so he can work in us. And so here is what I heard this week and I said that goes for me as well. God is ready to do unbelievable things and do great miracles but guess what? If we're not prepared, he won't do it. If 50 people walk in here today that needed Jesus, how many of you would help pray them through to the Holy Ghost? How many of you would say, oh my goodness, I got I to gotta, I gotta be ready right now. I got I to gotta lay my hands on them and pray for them. I, I got I to gotta be able to befriend them and begin to teach them a Bible study so they can become a citizen of the kingdom. I, I, I got to invite them over for dinner because you know what? They need to see Christian people, how they behave. How many is going to engage like that? And if we're not ready like that, then he can't send us lost souls. And then what will happen is we will spin our wheels. We will be doing what we want. And we will get frustrated, and one by one, you will dwindle. Where's so-and-so? So-and-so got frustrated. So-and-so didn't feel like anything was happening. But I'm going to tell you this. One thing I know is, this is not bragging, but this is telling the truth. God made me a preacher. And thank God he made me a preacher that know how to preach his word. So... If you got to leave here for any other reasons other than you talk to God. I don't know what you're going to tell God if you need to leave here. Well, God, I don't know. Because if you say to God, small church, God's going to say, but you can help with growing the church. <laughs> if you say, God, it's good, but you know, God's going to say, is my word being preached? Because you can go to some nice places and you can go some places that you feel like, all right, but I'm going to pray for you because you can go to a place where you can hide your unbelief. In Christ-centered church, you won't hide your unbelief because I love you and more importantly, I love God. And I'm going to make sure I preach God's word and don't put nothing personal in it. I'm just going to preach his word. And the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I come and see you if I need to see you and tell you truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm not going to camouflage things. I'm just going to come to you and tell you just like Jesus would. You're not showing that you believe. Now, I don't need to know your business because I'm not one of those that want to get in people's business. Less I know, the better off I am. But I will come and say, listen, you're not showing like you demonstrate belief. And if we're going to make it in, we're going to get a real relationship with God. There must be a demonstration that we believe God. We got to show that we believe God. And so today, I'm just here to tell you, either you believe Jesus Christ or you don't. There, there's no gray area. There is no middle ground. Either we believe Jesus Christ or we don't. I'm going to put my baby Pascal out there today. She don't mind. I hope you don't mind. But 
we had a conversation today right before church. And I always appreciate good honesty. She was so honest. She said, I'm trying my best to please my mom. Because when we bring our children up in church, our children, in case you don't know this, parents, because I went through this, our children for a long time only come to church for us, not because they got God. It's not because they have God. A lot of times our children is coming to church because of us. Not that they're saved, not they're li- when they're in school, when they're away from us. They're not living righteous, they're not living holy, they, they, but they respect us and they love us, so they try to come to church for us. But nevertheless, while they come to church for us, they're hearing the word of God. And the word of God is going into their heart. The word of God is going into their mind. And so they get to that place where it seems like, man, all these years I brought you up in church and look at you now. But the word of God went into their heart. They had the word of God in their heart. And what usually happens is they take a little time to find their own relationship with God. And that's the uncomfortable period for us as parents is because we wanted them to never go to the left or just straight on. But somehow they got to find themselves in God for themselves and not because of coming to church with us all the time. And so they go through that period. But all we have to do is just keep praying and praying and praying. And so Pascal said to me, I've been trying to please my mom, but I know I need to get a real relationship with God. That's honesty, man. I'm telling you. That's what I'm talking about. I need to get I need to get a real relationship with God. How do I do that? And I wish we can get a whole lot of people that feel that way. How do I get a better relationship with God? I know I'm not doing it the way I need to. My mom want the best for me, and I'm letting her down. But it's because, you know, I've always did it for her. Now I need to do it for myself. How do I do that, Pastor? That's important. That, that, that's, that's powerful because she wants to. And she got to figure it out for herself because all of us, the Bible says, work out your own salvation. And so no matter how much people tell us, no matter how much we hear, no matter what we deal with, we still got to work it out on our own. The all-powerful God will help us, though. And all we got to do is cry out. The Bible says, I heard, Jesus said, I heard the cries of my people. And when we cry out to him and say, God, I don't know how to do this. I'm not getting ahead the way I need to do this. He will help us. And so I said, Pascal, the best way to do this is like anything else. She wants to be a chef. This is what I told her. I said, in order to be a chef, you're going to spend a lot of time in the industry. You're going to go to school. You're going to put a lot of time in. And, and while you're putting all that time in, you're not connected with the friends as much anymore. And so you're not hanging out with your friends as much anymore because you're dead set on trying to, you know, get this thing going to be a chef. I said, once in a while you see them and you say hello, but you won't be spending a lot of time with them. But then you will graduate from cooking school and you'll go on and you'll start working in a good restaurant and you become a chef. And she want to open her own restaurant. So then you go and you open your own restaurant. 
and the restaurants start doing good. Now people start knowing about your name of your restaurant. People start coming and talking about your food. And now you become prestigious. That's the glory that we will experience when we put the sacrifice in. When we put the time in. There can be no glory without putting the time in. Sacrifice. Consecration. And we've been wanting God to just do something in our life without us putting it in. And in no walk of life, it happens. There's a reason why doctors marry doctors. There's a reason why lawyers marry lawyers. Because those are people they saw all the time doing the same things together. There's a reason why Christians... It's who we win all the time in our efforts to one day make heaven our home and to have this real relationship with God. We're going to be together all the time. It don't, it will not happen. I told you I'm talking today. It will not happen if we don't put the time in. It's just no other way. You want to you, you be a top flight business person just getting a bachelor is not good enough. You need a master's and probably a doctorate. Whatever we do today, we need a whole lot of credential now to say I'm good at it and then you can, you can count on me. We need a whole lot of credentials. And so that means a lot of sacrifice. So why do we think in order to be a doctor, in order to be a lawyer, in order to be a business person, in order to be a teacher, I mean, all these things in order to be an actor, whatever you want. You got to put a whole lot of time. Why? It's going to come to God and we don't put no time in, but we're going to be good Christians. Let's stand. It's not going to happen any other way than putting the time in, than believing God. Mark 16, verse 19 says, So then the Lord had spoken unto them. He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. So Jesus told them what they needed to do. Then he ascended to heaven. Look at verse 20. And they went forth and did what he told them, preached the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Echo the gospel. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Comma. The Lord working with them. I learned early on in my walk with God. What garnered me the favor of God. And what garnered me the favor of God was my willingness to share God's word. And it's not so much just about the sharing of the God wor- God's word. It was more about engaging. God has to help those who engage for him. God can't have you go do something for him and have it be hindered by anything or anyone. And so I learned a long time ago that I will experience the power of God when I engage in the things of God. 
If you ever want to see God work in your life, now again, go back to believe. Don't do it just to say I'm doing it. Because sometimes we do things to see if it really works, but our heart is not in it. Remember, God knows your heart. This is not man we're dealing with now. So we can front with each other. We can't front with God. But I realized a long time ago, if I will experience the power of God, it will happen through me engaging with God. Sister Suzette text, testified this morning. You know what she did? She engaged. <laughs> she don't realize it, but that's what she did. What did she say? God, I'm tired of this. Something got to... She put the works in order now to move and engage. And until we engage, everything will be at status quo and we will not experience nothing new until we engage. The Bible says they went and engaged. They went and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. So when we engage, then God says, ooh, 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 ooh. they moving. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me work with them here. But if we just stay still and, and do nothing, we have to believe. And when we believe, it causes us to do something. And when we do something, God works in the midst of it. Either we believe the Lord Jesus or we don't. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, either we believe you, Lord, Lord, I believe that you just wanted to just be playing with us this morning. Either we believe your word or we don't. Lord, there is no room for excuses. There is no room for gray area. Father, either we believe your word and engage or we don't. But I pray today, Lord God, that you will help our unbelief. I read in the book where a man prayed and says, Lord, help thou my unbelief. And so for every one of us here today that are experiencing unbelief, I pray and ask that you help our unbelief. Oh God, I bind the works of the enemy that have moved us into a place of disbelief. The works that has moved us into a place of not believing, Lord. I, I take authority over all of those works in the name of Jesus Christ. And oh my God, I loose upon us the gift of faith. That Lord God, we will begin to call those things that are not as though they were. We will believe your word and through our belief, Lord God, our actions will say, I believe. I believe. And that, God, we will begin to see the works of believing. You said signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. Now, God, if we believe, there will be signs. There will be signs that will follow us. If we believe, oh, God, there will be signs that will manifest in our life. God, if there's no sign, it means I don't believe. I'm just quoting you at your word, Lord God. And so if there's no sign that will follow immediately in my action of believing, then, Lord, I'm truly not believing. But today, if I really believe, almighty God, I pray 
that signs will follow me because I believe. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ today, Lord God, that my belief will produce signs. I call those things that are not as though they were, that today, Lord God, there will be signs. Signs. If there's anyone here today and you need prayer for anything specifically, you can come and tell me what you want prayer for and I'll pray the prayers of faith. And the prayers of faith will operate in your life.